we prepare to hear God's word, let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer. Father, on these days when we hear about mission emphasis, on the one hand, we are often so excited because there are so many good things we can hear and see about, and yet on the other hand, sometimes we feel so burdened because the world is so full of needs, so full of spiritual needs, so full of material needs, and we are so inadequate. Lord, we ask as we reflect on your word together today, as we continue to hear good news of the spread of the gospel around the world, that you would encourage us, that you would help us to to be drawn more and more to your grace and your work, and also be equipped and empowered more and more to be your representatives. We pray all this in your name. Amen. So this is a Mission Emphasis Sunday, but it's a little bit of a different Mission Emphasis Sunday. As, as Don Osman and I and the mission team were talking the last few months, Don thought it'd be really great to have an All God's Children presentation, but Bob doesn't preach, so who's going to preach? And at some point I said, you know, we've talked about this a few times, I can preach. And Bob can do everything else. And then we kind of scaled back a little bit. But I'm going to preach on a text that Bob and I have talked about a bit the last few weeks. And then after that, Bob is going to spend some time sharing about, sharing about the work in Honduras with all God's children, but also sharing a little bit about his own testimony. Some of you don't know Bob at all. Some of you know Bob very well. Bob was a member here for decades and decades, um, really, uh, really close to the heart of this church, um, lost his first wife, and then ended up getting remarried to a wonderful woman who went to ECRC. That was her only fault. Um, Bob ended up with his family at Elmhurst CRC around the corner. It's been a real blessing there, and he's back today to share with us. So I'm going to preach, and then Bob is going to bring us home with some application and a bit more ministry update. So good to have, good to have Bob around, and also, as always, really good to hear from God's Word. I'm going to do something just a little bit different with the sermon this morning in terms of reading. So I'm going to read most of James 1, James 1, 2 to 27, all the way through. And then I'm going to go back and I'm going to read a subset of verses that the sermon's really going to focus on. I, I wrestled the last couple of weeks with how much to read, how much not to read, and I landed on this. So you have two opportunities to hear God's word. This whole chapter is really a reflection on what it looks like for us to live faithful lives. So I invite you to hear all of it once, and then we'll go back, focus on a few pieces, and then we'll reflect on that in the sermon. So hear now God's word. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position, but the one who is rich should take pride in his low position, because he will pass away like a wild flower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant, its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted 
when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of firstfruits of all he created. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. And then we're going to circle back and read a few more verses, or read a few verses again. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. Don't be deceived, my dear brothers. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. And finally, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is the word of the Lord. So I feel like, I feel like as I as I talk to a lot of you, as we share life together, as I read different things, as I hear from different people, we often feel like we're we're walking a tightrope. And just so you know, I briefly considered climbing up on the railing and talking about tightrope walking, but I figured that would end with me crashing into the piano. And and we're going to go for a little less memorable, but a little more safe. But a lot of us feel like we're just walking this line and there is so much pushing us one direction or the other. And we feel like we're always on the edge of falling. And maybe it's just busyness and that life is full or maybe it's that we're dealing with, as we've been talking about the last couple weeks and what we'll talk about next week too, maybe we're dealing with with anxiety or other mental sufferings or or maybe we have these these physical maladies and maybe we know what they are and maybe they just trouble us and And all the time, we feel like we're just barely hanging on, just barely hanging on. And it seems like in this season, especially with some of the the unrest and the fighting in God's and Israel these days, it feels like for a lot of us, the uncertainty has been just turned up. We feel like the rope is shaking. We feel like we we just can hardly hang on and hardly keep going. And if, 
If today is, as is often the case with sermons and, and worship, or worship services that focus on evangelism and mission, you might have shown up expecting that between Pastor Matthew and Bob, they're going to lay a huge guilt trip on me because, because we all know we're not doing enough. We all know we're not sharing our faith enough. We all know we're not giving enough. We all know that we aren't doing enough. Our lives are full of trials and temptations. And what James 1 does early on is it invites us to, to refine that picture, to take a different approach to what, what all our trials and temptations, what all our testing and troubles could mean in this life. You see, testing, testing, this text tells us, leads to maturity. Testing leads to maturity. And, and in fact, the word that's used there is not maturity, but perfection, It is through our trials and temptations, through our troubles, that the Lord works in us to make us perfect. Now, we probably, by default, have kind of a negative reaction to that because it's really hard to hear hear that it's these things that have us feel like we're walking a tightrope that might be exactly the means God uses to, to help us grow. That's hard to hear. Hard to hear. But I wanna share a story about, I don't know if we can attain to this, but but a different way of seeing this. So I had a number of friends in high school who had some really rough backgrounds, a lot of trouble in their lives, and and most of them had come to Jesus a little later, we were only teenagers, but a little later in their lives, and so life was pretty raw for them, and their faith was was remarkably powerful because it had seen them through some really hard times. And we were sitting around one day just kind of talking about how we were doing spiritually and this and that, and, and one of my friends said, you know, I've been reading a lot of New Testament. I think he read James. He read some First Peter, read some different things. And he said, I just have really felt compelled lately to pray that God would give me a really hard life. Like last night, I was just sitting in my room praying, God, please bring all kinds of troubles into my life and, and just make it really hard for me. And yes, as all of you are thinking right now, my thought was, this guy is nuts. What is he doing? And then he went on to say, because God, I just want to be close to you, and and no matter what it takes, I want to be close to you. So God, please make my life hard. And at that moment, I prayed, Lord, please only listen to part of what this man says. Only listen to part of what he says. Please do draw him closer to you, but does it have to be through trials and temptations? But I think, I think, though I would not recommend that you pray that prayer, you're free to do it if you like, I think that there is something to that perspective that that when we look at the troubles of this life, when we look at the burdens that we carry, when we look at the things that have us unsettled and, and wobbling and wavering, we can look at those in a way that, that leaves us feeling tremendously vulnerable. Or we can look at Jesus. And we can look at Jesus and we can see how Jesus has brought us through trials and temptations in our life. And we can, we can look at Jesus' life and we can see how he worked how he worked to bring healing and growth through some tremendously difficult times. And, and maybe we can ask ourselves the question, can we? Can we look through our trials and temptations? Can we look even at the hard times in our lives and say maybe God can work through and maybe God is working through this? James tells us that we should consider it pure joy pure joy when we face trials and temptations of many kinds. I want to have a footnote here for just a moment. If you hear that today and you just can't handle it and life is too hard and too overwhelming, this is one of those texts that you can put away for right now. 
God works in all of us in specific circumstances. And there may be times that there's a specific verse that you just can't, can't handle right now. But I also want to invite you to push deeper, to reflect on how God might in fact be working precisely at the hard places in your life, precisely at the places where you feel overwhelmed and know that you're not enough, precisely at the places that you know that you can't fix it. And those might be precisely the places where the Lord intends to have you grow. Our trials and our troubles in this life tend to bear compound interest in one direction or another. And if we respond to them with bitterness or with rage or with, with this sense that it's all on us and so we need to work and work and work and work and work and, and then we burn out and we get angry and we tune out and we become apathetic, well, there's a compound interest there that adds on. But if we focus on Jesus more and more, if we bring our troubles to the Lord and we look more and more to Him, then there's a compound interest that grows there in terms of the depth of our faith, in terms of our ability to really see and understand how God is at work, in terms of our ability to minister to others. So I invite you today, even today, to prayerfully reflect on how the testing in your life might help you become more mature. And we need, we need to go deeper for that not to be simply toxic and unlivable. And so I want to invite you to go deeper and to reflect on the reality that every good gift comes from God. The language here of shifting shadows gives us kind of this sense of days and nights passing and there being day and night. And it also alludes to some of the shifting, shifting phases of the moon and how it's darker and lighter and, and how there's all these things that are always changing and always all over the place. And so often in our lives, even at our best, we're chasing shifting shadows. When we talk about even, even how we do mission, if you talk to people of different generations, different backgrounds, different cultural experiences, we'll have very different ideas of what it means to, to serve well. And sometimes we're right, sometimes we're wrong. If you talk about any other area of life, so often we spend our time chasing after shadows. And, and some, of us, some of us keep running and running and running and wear ourselves or wear those around us out. And some of us feel like we can't run and we can't make it and it doesn't work. And no matter what we do, it doesn't matter, so we give up. And what this text calls us to is to transcend both of those categories and to recognize that all that is good comes from the Lord. The Lord is, is a spiritual sun that never sets on our lives. And so for those of us who feel like no matter what we do, it's not enough, well, we're right, and it's okay because God is enough. And for those of us who feel like no matter what we do, it doesn't have any impact, well, you might honestly be right. But through the Lord's power, this world is headed for an entirely different state than what it's in now. But we need, we need if we are going to handle the ups or the downs of this life well, we need to be able to see that the Lord provides everything that is good, that he provides what we need. And if we put our faith in anything else, whether it's a terrible thing or a good thing, it will let us down. You might spend your whole life on good causes, on kingdom causes, but, but if you aren't doing that, trusting on the Lord, you will end up burnt out and angry. You might spend your whole life just worried and worried and worried, and, and perhaps you can give some of that up and find true peace in the Lord. We need we need to rest in God. 
And so I invite you, even in your trials and temptations, even, even in your blessings and accomplishments, to recognize that all good things come from God. Our blessings come from God, and our ability to endure, to have wisdom through hard times, that comes from God too. And once we're in that place, once we're more in that place where we are firmly centered on the Lord, then, then we can begin to talk about what it looks like for us to live out the Christian life. And what James tells us at the end in the last verse of that chapter is that pure religion, pure and faultless religion is both service and holiness. And we tend to separate these. We tend to want to talk about, if you, if you talk to different people about this verse, some people want to talk about the care for, for orphans and widows and how it's so important that we do things. And some people want to talk about it, keeping ourselves from being polluted from the world. And, and it's so important we have the right doctrine and that we're pious people and that, that we focus on faith. And they're both right and they're both wrong. You see, all of us as we go along, we tend to, we tend to shift in one direction or the other. And we tend to become unbalanced. We tend to be all about social action and doing good things. And, and so often people go down that road, they, they forget about holiness and they forget about a relationship with the Lord that leads and guides and empowers us to do the good things. And others of us have a temptation that, that we need to believe the right things and we need to do the right things spiritually. We need to be in church and we need to be spiritual. And, and we can get so focused on that that we don't really have the time or the energy to care for other people. And what, what the Bible calls us to is to do both wholeheartedly. To do both with all our hearts and souls and minds and strength. And the way God has made us and made the world to work, it's in doing both that we actually draw closer to Him. I want to take you back to a tightrope again. And if you've ever seen a tightrope walker, one of those guys who goes between buildings, often they have a long pole. And that pole actually isn't rigid. And by the way, I learned this from a couple high-level physicists. So if they're wrong, it's, it's their fault, not my fault, okay? Let's run with this. The pole actually isn't straight. It bends at the end. And why would it do that? Well, you see, if you're walking along on a tightrope and you have a pole that's long enough and it bends at the end, your center of gravity moves down and down and down to the point that the center of gravity is actually beneath the rope. And what that means, as long as you're holding onto that stick, if you start to lean to the side, even intentionally, the weight of that stick is going to pull you back down onto the rope. So as long as you keep the stick balanced, you can do just about anything you want, and it is almost impossible to fall off that rope because it is holding you in place. Doing deeds of service and pursuing holiness are, are the two ends of our spiritual stick that bend down and keep us rooted on Jesus. Now, if you hold the stick on the wrong end, it's going to pull you the wrong direction. If all you do is good works, it's going, to, it's going to lead you to fall off this direction. And if all you do is focus on the right doctrine and the right spiritual stuff, it's going to pull you off in this direction. But, but if you're walking the tightrope of this life and, and you've got your feet on Jesus and you do your best to do, to do what is good for those around you and you do your best to really hold on to what is true and what is right and to live a holy life, then God has built the Christian life so that those two things both pull you more and more into reliance on Him and keep you more and more centered. And so even if you feel, even if you feel like you're walking a tightrope and like you're about to fall off and like you don't know how you're going to get through today, well, look to the Lord. 
look to the Lord and recognize that you are only able to stand because of Him, because of His grace. But at the same time, don't get all, don't get all caught up in your own troubles, your own trials, your own temptations, but, but look at how you can live out the Christian life, how you, can, how you can take care of orphans and widows, and they are stand-ins in this text for all people who are in any kind of distress. Often it's in caring for others that we find our own spiritual lives strengthened. And, and at the same time, don't lose out on, on your own spiritual life, on believing the right things, on, on sorting out false doctrine and false action from what is true and what the Lord calls us to. We need both of those things to help us be really centered in Christ. I want to close with a couple, couple principles, and then Bob's going to come up, and he's going, to, he's going to bring us home and share with us some application points and keep reflecting on this text. I think for both service and holiness, there is a principle of power and proximity. A principle of power and proximity for both of these. If we think of service, if we think of orphans and widows, if we think of those in need, we need first to think of the principle of power, that God is all-powerful, that God will make all things right. And that gives us hope that no matter how bad the world is, it will work out in the end. And so we do not need to despair. And so even though our own resources are totally inadequate, the Lord will work everything out. And then there is a principle of proximity. For so many of us these days, there are so many things that call our attention. You can give more money to that. You can volunteer more time there. You should post on social media in favor of this cause, and the list never ends. We are not called to be God and to solve all the problems of the world, but we are called, we are called to care for those who the Lord brings to us. And so there are obligations that you have to people who are close to you who you do not have to people who might be farther out. And you have limited resources and you're called to use those wisely. But the more the Lord blesses you, the wider the circle of proximity becomes. You know, we as a church are, are really blessed that we have a culture where a huge percentage, a huge percentage of the money that we receive does not actually go to work within these walls. A huge percentage of the offerings, a huge percentage of the money goes out. It goes out to support Christian education. It goes out to support our faith promise missionaries. It goes out to support all kinds of different causes. We have been very blessed, and so we do our best to be a blessing. And then the principle of, of power when it comes to our spiritual lives. We can't do this on our own. And again, if we try to make it work on our own, we, we will fail. But the Lord holds us up. If you feel like you're about to fall, if you are in Christ, you are not about to fall because the Lord is keeping you centered and grounded in Him. And then lastly, the principle of proximity with our spiritual lives. A, a lot of us, when we hear about unholiness and the pollution of the world and this and that, we think about those people over there and those terrible things they do. And we are incredibly blind to our own troubles. So I want to invite you to, to reflect not on what those bad people do, but on what we bad people do, on our own trials, on our own temptations. And as you reflect on your own trials and temptations, maybe, maybe this is a good day to reflect on how the Lord might be working in you to help you grow through those. Maybe this is a day where the Lord is calling you to trust in Him more deeply. Maybe this is a day where the Lord is calling you to recognize that that he is walking the tightrope with us and that in service and in holiness, we find real growth. 
Bob is going to come up now. He's going to keep sharing, sharing a bit about all God's children, sharing a bit about his own testimony, and also just being here again at faith. It's good to have you back, Bob. Thank you, Reverend Lancer. Uh, meeting with Reverend Lancer and talking about this, I hear you've been talking a lot about anxiety, and um, doing this has raised my anxiety level the last couple of weeks, just to be honest. But um, it's so good to be here. Um, as you know, uh, this, is, this is my home church. It was good to be here. Um, it is a blessing to, uh, to share with you. I've been, I was a member here for almost 50 years, uh, dating back to Warren Park and Cicero. And I have great memories of being uh, baptized, raised, making profession of faith here. I also have great memories of my parents sitting, I don't know, two or three here. And nobody's taking those seats, but that was my mom. And, those are my mom and dad's seats. So great memories of them. Um, and we still, um, our family has so many dear uh, family members here. A lot of them are sitting over here and dear friends of ours. That continues always. Um, I'm blessed to be married to Judy Stremler, Ben Ozen, for 13 years now. We have nine children together. We have uh, seven married, so seven wonderful sons and daughter-in-laws. And we are thankful for eight grandchildren, just to give you a little update on my life. Um, I serve as a director of advancement and stewardship at Timothy Christian Schools across the street, and I've been doing so for 13 years. That was supposed to be about a two-year thing, and God continues to uh, use me there. It's been a blessing and I'm so thankful. I just want to say it for all the teachers represented here who are such a blessing to us and our students. I've served on the All God's Children Board for over 20 years, and I've been going to Honduras for 27. And I currently uh, also co-lead a grief share group at Elmhurst Christian Reform Church. Um, I'm here for a couple of reasons. I'm here to thank you. I'm here to encourage you. And I'm here to briefly tell you um, how God has used missions and ministry in my life. I am not here to ask you for money, which is my job normally, so you'll be thankful for that. No, I really do. I am here to thank you. Uh, the verse that came to mind, and I was thinking of this and thinking of Faith Church, is from Philippians 1.3. It's very short, but I think about it all the time. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And I thought of that verse because of what I said, what, what you mean to me as a church. I want to thank you missionally, and I want to thank you personally. Thank you, first of all, for always being mission-focused. You have always been mission-focused, and I commend you for that. Faith Church sent the first short-term mission trip group here to Honduras with all God's children. I was sitting in these pews in 1994, when I heard the call, and I was moved by the Spirit to sign up. And uh, I'll have to tell you, that was an amazing trip, but we, I had my youngest of four just born, and this was a sweet moment, but I remember one of the senior members who I loved dearly came up to me. It was kind of a grab-the-cheek moment. She said, how could you leave your daughter and wife? She just had a baby. But I felt called by God to go, and it has been the biggest blessing of my life. Um, for, um, for over 20 years, Faith Church has sent a group, Faith Church sent a group every year, which is amazing. So Faith, Faith Church is on the very front end 
of all God's children and the ministry there. So thank you for your work. Um, I hope you don't mind this, but I was thinking of the impact of this church. If you have either sponsored a child in Honduras, or if you have been there on a, on a mission trip, would you just would you just raise your hand a minute? I mean, look at yeah, it's it's every section of the church, and there's many more who are not here today. And I think of Tim and Nan who are going to give a presentation. I I was there with them on one of their first trips to Honduras, and just so delighted to see how they've continued in that work for God. Uh, for God's children and for God's people. You're going to hear more about that after the service. So um, thank you. I just want to give you a, a brief uh, All God's Children update a minute. Some things have changed. One of these changes was not being able to send groups to Honduras for two years due to the pandemic. We were not allowed to go to Honduras. You know all the restrictions we had. That video that you saw was our first trip after the pandemic, and that was a high school group from Timothy Christian Schools, some of which are members here. But that, that trip was rated one of our best. We had 30 Timothy students, and things were different. But you could see all the sites we visited that we support. And All God's Children uh, still, many of you may not know this, still supports eight different ministries. I was telling Reverend Lancer, we, we send over half a million dollars every year to those eight ministries to support them. And also to support our orphanage alumni. So many of you who are sponsors, we have not lost contact with our over 100 alumni we um, are still caring for them and the needs they have and, and their children, and many of you still do that, so I thank you for that too. And we have a trip scheduled again for January 9 through 15 with um, another high school group. If anybody's interested from here, we have an adult trip going in February. So we're trying to resurrect these trips and get them going again. We would appreciate your prayers as a ministry as we consider the next steps. Things are different there after 30 years. Uh, we don't know exactly what the future looks, looks like, but we're on our prayers, working even with a consultant, looking for what we're going to do in the future. But we're thankful for 30 years of ministry. This church has been a huge part of that. And I have to say near and dear to me is that Faith Church has always been part of Timothy Christian Schools. Going back to its founding in 1911, it was Douglas Park, and it was Warren Park members who were part of the founding uh, group that started Timothy Christian Schools. That's not lost on me. I have a huge heart for Timothy and our students, and that's a mission across the street. We are um, committed to biblically rooted education, and the number of board members you have sent over the years, it's a lot of, lot of years. Once again, going back to even Warren Park, it's amazing. So I want to thank you for your work uh, related to Timothy Christian Schools, because I represent them too. Um, I was a little emotional thinking about this week. It was 15 years yesterday that Sherry passed away, a member of this church. She was a special ed teacher at Timothy. She loved this church. She served in the Sunday school program teaching songs to the children. She was diagnosed in uh, late September. And five and a half weeks later, she had passed on to glory. So I want to thank you personally. Our family will always be thankful for you, for your love and support during those times. Uh, ministry and missions has always been a big part of my life and my family's life. I first became interested as a child at Cedar Lake Bible Conference, hearing messages from Roger Greenway, from Reverend John DeVries, Missions India. And I was just, even as a young child, I might have been 8, 9, 10 years old, I just remember being really interested in what he had to say. And I think it all started then for me. I'm thankful for godly parents who instilled and emphasized missions and evangelism in our house all the time. 
And I said before, Faith Church, it was always a focus. I remember John Heisinga leading um, our Sunday school in, in missions focus, and we would sing mission songs. And, and even as a student at Timothy, hearing uh, Reverend Reitzma go through the journeys of Paul in the New Testament, and how interested I was in that. Um, early on in our marriage, I remember talking to Sherry about doing missions. We wanted to do missions possibly after we retired. Uh, well, got a different plan than that. The world became flat and more accessible. The internet and um, other things allowed us to communicate with people in prisons in other countries. What, a, what an incredible opportunity. We were able to participate right away in short-term mission trips in our 30s. Sherry was able to actually take one trip to Honduras with us, with a faith group, in 2007, one year before she passed, and I'm, I'm so thankful for that. Early on, I claimed this verse that Reverend Lancer preached about. I claimed James is my favorite book of the Bible, but I claimed James 1.27 as a life verse uh, to care for orphans and widows and to keep from being polluted by this world. And it's, it's still a favorite book of mine. Um, little did I know that I would be serving orphans. I didn't have that planned in my life. Little did I know that I would marry a widow with five children. I didn't know God's plans, but those have been huge blessings in my life. I also didn't know that nine months after Sherry passed, I would lose my corporate job due to the 2008-2009 recession. This was a lot of trials, and I um, remember having a hard time moving forward. But God used these trials to prepare me for the next season of my life, for the next 15 years that I'm talking about. And so much of that has to do with missions. One month after Sherry passed away, we were members here, and I wanted to get away for Christmas. So she passed in November. We left in December for Mexico. The day I dreaded the most was December 18, our anniversary. Little did I know my oldest son was working with the Lane Camps and talking to a missionary there and said, would it be possible for us to go serve some uh, poor children in the area of Puerto Vallarta? So we went there. Guess what day they picked? December 18, my anniversary. Why do I say that? It was one of the best days of my life leading up to that point. And why? because I think we took the focus off ourselves. We serve these little children, we're, and we're incredibly blessed. And I believe God used that in a wonderful way for us, for me, for my family, for my children. Two months after Sherry passed, a faith church mission trip in January, I think it was Lambert Bronger approached me and said, Bob, would you please give your testimony to the orphans? I'm like, Lambert, you know what just happened to me. I just kind of want to sit and salt. I just want to hide in a corner. But no, God led me to give my testimony to uh, over 100 orphans. And um, I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad Lambert encouraged me, to, encouraged me to do that. So God keeps giving me these opportunities. He kept giving me these opportunities to serve him. And it didn't end. I could write a book about all the things in the last 15 years. The job at, the job at Timothy was offered to me in 2010. I thought, well, I need to go back to the corporate world. I need, need to make money. I lost Sherry's salary. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Uh, but I started working at Timothy. Like I said, I thought maybe a couple years, but it's been 13 years. Jerry and I married, in, or Judy and I married in 2010. We started blending our family with nine children. During that time, I was able to take even more trips to Honduras because Timothy wanted to promote that, especially with our students. And Judy has, Judy has been on, able to go on most of those trips and has been an incredible ministry partner to me as I've tried to be to her as she leads different children's ministries. So we've been a blessing to each other that way. And I just 
I'd like to close with an encouragement to you um, to continue the good work of missions here at Faith Church. I believe that God calls all of us, young and old, to love God and to minister to others. We do so not to earn merit or salvation. We know that God has paid the price. He's done all that. We can do nothing to add to our salvation. But we do so out of thankfulness for what God has done for us. I serve out of the thankfulness I have. God is so good to me and my family. I'm so thankful for how good he's been to us. And I believe we can all participate in missions and ministry with our time, with our talent, and our treasure. We can all pray for those overseas and here who are doing missions. And I believe it helps us. I, I lead grief share, and we talk about this as one of the ways to help get out of grief. Like I talked about with my Mexico story, when we're, when we're focusing on God and others, we tend to take the uh, focus off of ourselves. And I've learned that focusing on God and others lifts us above our troubles, and he sets our eyes on Jesus Christ. It's God's way for us. He designed us. He made us to serve. And I want to just share with you one last um, story from the Bible. Um, like many of you, I'm in Bible study fellowship. We're studying the book of John. It's been amazing. And I've heard the story so many times, but the application is hitting me in so many different ways. So as you know, Jesus, um, he goes out of his way to meet with the Samaritan woman at the well. And uh, you know what happens. He uh, offers her um, the water that, that will uh, never leave you thirsting again. And she, uh, well, I'll just read it to men. Uh, then the woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And um, just then, the disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want or why are you talking with her? Because they considered her an outcast. Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. He was tired. He had been ministering. They were in the desert. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then the disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And that hit me in, in a couple ways. First of all, when she heard the good news, when Jesus declared to her, and many of our eyes a sinner uh, and living a very poor lifestyle, Jesus revealed to her, one of the first ones, that he was the Messiah. What did she do? She dropped her very expensive jar and she ran and told the village. She stopped what she was doing. So that, that application applies to me. I'm, I'm really encouraged by that, but also challenged. Like, I, need to do, I need to drop more things to be with people and to tell them about Jesus. She did that. And she, the whole town became to believe in Jesus. But also when Jesus talks about the food that nourishes, the food um, that never leaves you feeling hungry again is doing his work. And that really impacted me too. And I believe that the only way we can have true satisfaction in this life is to serve and do the will of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Uh, we can try all kinds of things in this world that God talks about serving God or him. We only have one choice. We have to make a choice to serve God or money. And serving God is the way. It's the way he designed us. And it's the only way to have true satisfaction. So I just encourage you, Faith Church, continue your important work. You're doing an amazing job um, for God's glory. Thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. Yeah.
Jesus is here today with food to feed us, with food to feed the world. Let's pray a minute. Father, as we have heard your word, we ask that you help us to receive your word. Lord, speak to each one of us. Give us the encouragement we need. Give us strength for the trials we face. Give us gratitude for the gifts we've received. Father, help us to care for those in distress and help us more and more to see you. Amen.